Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of This Feral Life Podcast. Uh, today's episode is going to be about uh, preparedness. It's just kind of a general preparedness. Uh, you know, for the small things that happen in your life, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and just put, like, hurricane is small. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, depends on the size. I mean, yeah, I hurricanes mean, are big, but but I mean, I would call them small because it, it, hurricanes never snuck up on anybody, right? right? Like it, it's you see it coming a week away, and it moves at a like a brisk walking pace for an elderly person. <laughs> you know, it's moving at five miles an hour. Yeah, coming from a week away, you, you should have plenty of time to get out of the way, right? So, um, and you see people that want to stay behind. I get it. Like, oh, we're gonna, I'm going to protect my stuff. Take your stuff with you. You have a week. I could move an entire school in a week. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You've, you've moved us in about a couple of hours before. Yeah. yeah. Like a whole farm. Yeah. You're like an ox. It's like, so it's like, just, just get your horse trailer or borrow something and throw all your expensive stuff in there and drive it somewhere where it's Away. not. Yeah. <laughs> In the general direction of a way. Of a way. Right? And that's usually north. Um, but, uh, well, the whole preparedness thing. Let's talk about this. So, um, basically, the more people something affects, the less likely it is to happen. So, you're more likely to break your leg, say, and that's supposed to be a personal preparedness like emergency, than you are to, like, have, like, a comet land on your head. Right? Or like if it were to have an accident, like a car accident or something like that, because that affects maybe, you know, four or five people, then say a volcano to erupt, mm -hmm. right? So you got to start preparing for the small things. And one of those is like financial preparedness. And it's, it's a very often overlooked uh, part of preparedness is that I am under the impression that one paycheck should cover your bills. So like right. if you get paid two times a month, one paycheck should be able to cover all of your bills. So you should have that free paycheck that you're able to save or invest or, um, you know, pursue your extra hobbies with or, you know. Um, ideally. Yeah. Ideally. ideally. That's ideally. not the case for a lot of people these days, but ideally that's the way it should be. Yeah. And, and you can kind of work towards getting there um, just so that if something bad does happen, you have some savings. Under ideal circumstances, you should have, you know, at least, you know, a month to, to two months worth of bills covered in your savings account. So that if something happens to the breadwinner of the house or one of you, that you have that money that you can draw upon until their leg gets better, they can start gimping around and go back to work. <laughs> right. Or if you have to pay deductible on a car insurance or something. Because right. they were saying that, um, I was reading in the news that, that the average American would have a hard time dealing with an unexpected $400 bill. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, groceries are three times what they were two years ago. Oh, at so, least. And salaries don't seem to be moving in the, no. in the same direction. There's so. been a lot of stag, what's called stagflation with that. Yeah. Where everything gets more expensive except the salaries. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that that's pretty crappy. Yeah. I actually um, heard a, a news story or a, a mother commenting on, you know, back in the, I guess, back in the 80s, 90s, you know, when your kids graduated from school, 
it was flight flight or fight, right? Like you, they, there was time to leave the nest. Like you kids go go and survive and and live and you get your jobs. And you heated them out, you basically, right? <laughs> You're like peace, I'm done. Um, but that was just the way it was, right? That's the mentality that the, that the children leave the household at a certain age and they start building their own lives. Um, but this mother had a good point. She's like, how am I going to send my kids out and do that to them? She's like, these aren't the same times that, that you know, our parents um, had an experience. The same middle class isn't what it was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so There's she, big, yeah, so she class. felt really guilty about it. Yeah. So what she did is she purchased land and she made and built little tiny homes for all her kids. And I thought that was amazing. And that's something that I'm okay I look with forward to doing that. I still get Free slave labor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they'll help. I'm sure they'll help with the household and the yard and I mean, stuff like that's that. Pretty, that's basically why you have children, right? It's right. Just for the, because they're tiny <laughs> slaves. Yeah. Their little tiny ours, hands ours, can it, really get in there and clean the <laughs> dishes well. Ours yeah. really enjoys just doing things with us. But, I mean, I can't imagine, like, telling her at 18, like, hey, go conquer the world. And, you know, a, a price for an apartment is, is nowhere near what she could pay for working at. You know, you can't in the ghetto, but like, you know, yeah, you know, but in the ghetto, then you sacrifice your safety like it's it's not worth it. So yeah. to me, I I really am looking forward to building her a tiny home on our land, you know, whether she wants to stay or not or that that's her prerogative. But at least she always has somewhere to go with the plans for the uh, uh, my. What do you call it? What do we what do we decide to call it? The. Uh, the, the, the treehouse tree slash deer stand. <laughs> you got, yeah, you're, you, you want to use it as a deer blind. Yes. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be bougie. It'll have, like, air conditioning yeah. and stuff in there. Cause, you know, but uh, I imagine that she'll just move into that thing. <laughs> no, we, we'll build her oh, we'll really see what nice. happens yeah, with her teens. I bet yeah. you she gets angry. As, I'm just going to go live in the deer stand slash treehouse. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it, the kid. The tree stand house, the standing house. <laughs> That's totally fine by me. But yes, let's talk about like you know small event preparedness. Yeah. So, what are your recommendations? And which yesterday I heard the coolest story ever. What? Shout out to Waffle House. Waffle House. Waffle House. The sponsor Waffle House. Us. <laughs> You'll get stabbed by day, but <laughs> it is a safe storm haven by night, <laughs> or in, 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 in a hurricane or something. Yeah. You're stabbed by night. Stabbed by night. Fed during the day. Yeah. So apparently, like Waffle Houses, um, you know, are extremely prepared. They have their own water sources, their own generators. Um, their own food supply, their, their own rescue teams. Yeah, their own rescue teams. They uh, repurpose the trucks for, uh, you know, moving food across everywhere and helping. And uh, FEMA looks to them, it looks to Waffle House for advice on preparedness, which blew me away. So if you are in an area where you're experiencing any type of natural disaster, any type of weather issue, closes. and the Waffle House closes, you're screwed. GTFO. You're screwed. Just, yeah, GTFO. GTFO. <laughs> but if there's a Waffle House, look for it, find it. That is a safe haven for you to go to. So basically so. they have like, uh, as far as I was, I was looking at the same stuff. I think I was the one who told you about the Waffle House. You did. And I thought it was the coolest story because I'm but, always talking mess about the Waffle House and not wanting to get stabbed <laughs> there and shank. But I'm like, hey, I'm going to go there during a storm now. So they like, have like uh, basically business as usual, yeah. right, which is normal. Right. Um, and then they have like a, alert, which is like, uh, hey, we're going to be really paying attention. It's what we're going to do. Then they have a limited menu. 
where they only have like maybe one side of the menu or like is open. Right. And then they have like um, where they're only allowing people to drive up and get food and, and go. Okay. And then they're closed. And uh, like it takes a lot to close a Waffle House. Are those 24 hours? Like yes. now? Yeah, okay. They're 24 hours. Um, and it takes like a ridiculous like act of God. To, to close a Waffle House. Yeah. Like, uh, during, like, the last uh, Category 5 hurricane, they were closed for, like, eight hours. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Some Waffle Houses are closed, but that's because of employment issues. Like, they can't find anybody to work for them. They um, actually pay really well. Yeah. But... Like, they, they, like as far as, you know, a, a little diner job, they actually pay really well. Like, locally, they're paying $25 an hour. So, they're actually paying pretty deep. That's why people are willing to risk the, the, the overnight shanking. Yeah. To uh, to work the Waffle House. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really changed my perspective on Waffle House for sure. So kudos to you guys for taking care of your local communities. That's Sponsor really us. awesome. Sponsor <laughs> us, Waffle House. Love your pancakes. <laughs> they have waffles. They have waffles. I mean, where can you go wrong? Like waffles and, and you know, yeah. sausage and coffee during a storm. Like, heck yeah, count me in. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about um, things you can do just that are simple. So just get a backpack. Um, get a backpack, one for everybody in your family. Bug out backpacks. Yeah, just like a, just a grab and go kit. Um, you're only aiming for seventy two to like you know three to four days supply of stuff. And we and in this backpack, you're not necessarily trying to keep to provide a hundred percent of everything that you need for three to four days. You're just trying to supplement what you'll be able to find or what you'll be able to get at a. Um, at a, uh, like a shelter or if you have to go to a shelter or something, right? So you're going to just look in there, like, you know, throw in any any prescriptions you got. So if you're on prescription medicine, something like that, definitely important to get in there. Um, a couple of, like, easy food items, nutrition bars, uh, uh, you know, water. Water's really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 bulky and it's very very heavy, uh, but it's having you know a liter bottle of water in each one mm-hmm. or a Camelback you can fill up, in or each a one. pack of waters that you just grab from your garage and yeet out into your vehicle. Yeah, that's great. That that works out really really well. Um, but then you then from there you want to go and get a couple pairs of socks, some underwear. Uh, some clothing, but sturdy clothes. Yeah. You know, you don't want to go out there in swim trunks, you know, um, no matter what it is. Flooding, you definitely don't want to do that. Um, and, you know, maybe a uh, change of shoes, like some Crocs or uh, flip-flops or something. So that if you yeah. if you do get your the shoes or boots dirty, you can change out of I them. would say some Let Crocs it. would probably be the... Let your feet air out yeah. of it. Right? So I call my Crocs my tactical Crocs. Yeah, tactical Crocs. I, they're tactical simply because they're on my body. Yeah. Yeah. I make them tactical. What is that when you uh, move your the little latch in the back of your Crocs? What do they call that? Like sport mode. Sport mode. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. They're normally forward. All See, the time. that's what I'm, I'm thinking. You know, if you're in a situation like that, like floppy, I mean, floppy flip flops might not be the ideal, you know, selection, yeah. but definitely Crocs where you can. Go into sport mode, and they are also breathable for your feet, and they're comfy. They feel like pillows. They're not the best looking, but it'll do. Having a few candles, having a few candles, and, um, you know, a lighter, a big lighter, stuff like that will work out really well for you. 
Yeah, just like a you know a bit lighter. I, I see a lot of people that are talking about, oh, I'm going to take flint and steel and and all these other things. Like, like why? I'm like, why? Where you can get like a 25 pack of big lighters for for like 20 bucks on Amazon or cheaper than that if you buy the off brand ones. And I'm like, well, maybe you want to go LARP making fire, but that's something <laughs> that's something to do in your backyard, right? Like the big light. Well, what happens when my big lighter breaks? I've got 25 of them, right? Like they, they, they take up like a deck of cards, right? There's very little yeah. space. So, and so speaking of which, throw in a deck of cards, throw in a couple of candy bars, throw like, uh, throw in a book, throw in a, meh, yeah, throw in a book. I throw in some like, uh, and acids, anti-diarrheal medicine. Um, just go to, if you really want to get serious, you can go to the travel section of like Walmart mm-hmm. and buy a whole bunch of little things in yep. there. You know, like little travel toothbrushes, little travel bars of soap, the little the little travel like uh, hand sanitizers, a whole bunch of stuff and just throw it all in that backpack. Like once again, you're not going, this isn't like a bug out for everywhere backpack, right? This is a, huh, hmm. Power is going to be out in my uh, my area for a couple of days because of Transformer Blue, and I'm going to go stay at you know my, my mom's house or, or, your or the hotel house. somewhere. You oh, know, yeah, just comfort stuff. You're taking comfort stuff and uh, just the stuff to get there and to hang out there for a little while. And that should just be like your grab and go bag. Um, I would say another thing is that I would have a, a 50 caliber ammo can that I would because you can buy those for really cheap. Like from the used, I mean, even Amazon. The surplus store yeah. has them. The surplus store, they're like six, seven bucks a piece. Amazon, they, man, they're proud of them. They're like 20 bucks. But uh, if you just go to the surplus store and get a 50 caliber ammo can and put all of your important paperwork in there, right? Like the deed to your house, your marriage certificate, the kids' birth, birth certificates, socials, yeah, passports, like a, a, a new bank, the, your most recent bank statement, things like that, right? That allow you to like prove that like, hey, I had this and this is what this was at some point. So that if something really bad happens, like a fire is in threatening your area, you can go into your safe, grab that and not have to be hunting around searching for everything. Right. Everything's all in one spot and you can just grab that, grab your go bags and run out of the house. Um, I would go and say that in that in your little uh, 50 caliber ammo can. Is that I would take a a pick like a cam just like a regular. Do even people have regular cameras anymore? I mean, like not film cameras, but like digital cameras. Uh, I'm sure, like camcorders, like little camcorders. I don't know. Yeah, but like everybody uses their phone. But if you can find, borrow, or buy one for really cheap, just a little digital camera, put an SD card, and take a picture of everything in your house. Like clean your house real nice, right? And then just. One day, take a picture of everything in your house. It's the TV. This is the Xbox. This is the, this is the sofas. This is everything like that. Then have it saved to that little card. Put that little card in a little protective case and throw that card inside there. That way, when it comes time to argue with your home insurance, your rental insurance, you have a like time date stamp saying that I owned all this stuff. Because what happens with those insurance companies is they just go... Oh, you have a uh, two-bedroom apartment. We assume you have a TV. We assume you have blah, 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 blah. We're just going to write you a blank. Like, like, like everybody the same check. And you're like, ha, ha, I have much nicer things than my neighbors. And I have a way to prove it. And you'll, this was, this was a, um, 
I guess, uh, like, a, like a trick given to me by an, an insurance guy, as if he was like, you'll see your payout go up 50% if you have proof that you had those things. So, yeah, that's that, that would definitely help. Um, throwing some stuff in your car yeah. is a good one, you know. I would say, like, have a dedicated tote, like, in your garage, just store it away and just grab that sucker and put it in your car when it's time to use it. We have the camping tote. Yeah. Like, our little camping tote, it has, like, uh, you know, it has a couple of sets of um, cookware in it. It's got, like, a coffee pot in it. It's got a uh, a bunch of flashlight stuff, a bunch of Mm -hmm. light stuff. It's got a little... I think it has our ham radios in it. It's got a little it's bit of medicine. Radios, it's yeah, got... Over-the-counter stuff. Bandages, all kinds of stuff, you know? first aid kit. Yeah. And it's just the same one that... that it's all the stuff that we would, like, you know, out some cookware, uh, some paper plates, some napkins. Um, and uh, it's just got all the crap that we would normally have to scramble at the last minute or stop by Walmart on the way out of town to pick up. But we have it in a one of those big black totes with the yellow lid. And um, the purpose of it is that, so if we want to go to the beach, we can just grab the camping tote. We know that it's got a kitchen in it. Basically, yeah. Yeah, Everything we need. Everything we need in there to make food and be comfortable with it. So, uh, and that's that's worked out really well for us in the past. So if we needed to evacuate somewhere, we grab the, the ammo can of fancy stuff, everybody's backpack, and the camping tote and throw it in the truck. And rock and roll. Yeah. And then, we and can- rather than like just driving aimlessly somewhere, like have a plan, you know, already know a, a destination. Like if, if you are a city that's prone to hurricanes or anything like that, you know that those events are, there's going to be a percentage of the chance of it happening. So have a plan. Like, okay, well, if that happens, we're going to drive inwards or we're going to drive north towards this place. We're going to stay here at this. You already know the rates. Um, you've already scoped it out. It's safe. It's in a good area, and you're safe from the storm. You know, just have a plan. Yeah, throw in some extra um, during like if you're in a hurricane area, it would not be a bad idea to never let your gas tank get below three quarters of full. Oh, I'm terrible at that, and I get yelled at all the time for I it. I yell at you all the time. I know every freaking I time I have to borrow your car or something. I like know that, it's the lights <laughs> on. It drives everybody crazy. I do. The driveway I do. On the freaking wing and prayer. I'm terrible. And you wait till somebody's like, I need to borrow the car to go and do something because you parked you parked in a way that's, that's easiest to get your car out. And you're like, yeah, sure. And it's no, not that I don't have the resources to fill up. We'll I just, get this gas. is the problem. And I've explained this to several people recently, actually. Um, they're like, you know, why don't you ever fill up your whole full tank? And you're always like having to put gas all the time. And I was like, because I'm normally always late to everywhere that I need to go. So I don't have time. Exactly. That is my fault. I can get up four or five hours, like ahead of schedule and still manage to be late. I have no idea why. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been like that my whole life. (laughs) I do. I get distracted. I start doing things and, Anyway, so I'm normally always running late, so I just want to wet my whistle and get there. Like, I don't have time to stand there and fill up my whole tank for, like, a whole 10 minutes. So, there. That's that. I know, and it's terrible. So, terrible. I'm trying to get better, guys. Yeah. we got to get better. Um, having some uh, just... I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of MREs or the knockoff MREs. Uh, just from being in the military and um, having eaten them, I'd have to say that... Uh, Zero out of ten, definitely not my favorite thing in the entire world. 
And our daughter's over there saying, jump like a helicopter, whatever that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just having a, a, you know, a gas tank just there at your house, a uh, couple of the five-gallon gas cans would not be a bad idea. Uh, I know that, it, that having, we've had to put the lawnmower fuel in, uh, in your car a couple of times to make it a town. <laughs> so, because you coast in and it's I'm terrible. four miles okay. to E and we're 17 miles to town. You just keep on beating the dead horse. <laughs> I know it already. It's just like, uh, it's so frustrating. Uh, but anyway, you're getting better, which is great. Um, let, let's see. Uh, putting you know in your car kit you should have a couple of a couple of cans of fix a flat mm-hmm. like but okay so they they comes in a whole bunch of different sizes don't get the small size always get the one for a truck right because the one for a car will not fill up a car it will not fill up, fill up a, like inflate a car tire yeah it will uh inflate a car tire to look flat but if you get like the big, the truck one, this is the, the full size one, that uh, it, it, it'll you you'll be safe to drive on your car for a while to get until you get somewhere you can add extra air. Uh, so definitely a couple of cans of fix a flat. A get map, you. maybe a map. Dude, I think people forget about those maps map these days. It's just no, it blows no, my I, mind. I, I'd be surprised. Our listeners are pretty smart, but even with that, I'd be surprised if fifty percent. Of our listeners could, within 30 seconds, find their hometown. Like, this, people don't know how to read a map any, nowadays. Not not because because Google's messed that all up for everybody. Google yeah. Maps, it, you can just like, oh, and it just, it tells you where to go, too. Like, so, you, you don't even have to think. you just like, all right, turn. It just turns people into little automatons. Uh, people don't remember phone numbers anymore. So having a little book written with everybody's <laughs> phone number, which, yeah, yeah, written down in is probably a pretty good idea. Uh, part of the preparedness of you have children is making sure your children know their freaking names, mm-hmm. know their parents' names, not just mom and dad. Uh, in EMS, there's been many times we have like a you know a ten or a twelve year old kid, and we ask them, All right, "Who's your mom and dad?" Mom and dad. Okay, what are their names? At ten. Yeah, what are their names and where do they work? I don't know. Okay, that, that's great. What's your mom's first name? Mom. You know? Wow. They, they don't know. Our four-year-old knows our names. Yeah. So, uh, and then like they don't know a phone number. They can't tell you where to go. They can't tell you grandma and grandpa's like, like first names or if they have the same last name. Um, and But, boy, they can log on to their social media and hand you the phone and Hey, there's everybody right there. And then you just message them. Hey, I have your child. You know, we found it. It was running around wild. <laughs> you know, we tried feeding it. It's bitey. Probably has rabies. Come get it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, stuff like that, man. I mean, just. But throwing in, um, as far as snacks, throw in it like, like the Gatorade right there. You have a case of Gatorade. Yep. It's cheap. Right now, it's like, what did you pay? Six bucks for that thing? Mm-hmm. There's, what, a dozen of them there? Yeah. There's eight. So eight Gatorades for, like, you know, like six bucks. Throw those in there. Now, one thing I will say is that anything that you put in your car, you want to cover it with a blanket. Because sunlight on plastic bottles oh, yeah. makes which is why, terrible. Yeah, which is why I would create a tote 
And when the time comes, I have that tote good and ready. And it's not just, you know, water bottles and Gatorade bottles that are sitting in my car forever. Just getting just getting nasty. So, no. So, I, I'd rather have the tote. I like the tote idea. In colder areas, putting a couple of hand warmers in there yeah. will, will help quite a bit. Maybe a blanket. A blanket. Know? I see people like, oh, I have one of those space blankets. Uh, yeah, those those kind of work under very specific circumstances, but having an actual blanket is going to go way further. Or, you know what works even better? Those, sleeping those bag. cheap sleeping bags. They're, they're so yeah. much fluffier and nicer than the space blanket. Because you can take a space blanket and then put that over you and then put the, uh, the, the cheap uh, blanket on the cheap... The space blanket is that Mylar blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The only good thing about those is they hold in 100% heat. It's basically wrapping yourself in a trash bag. Okay. Right? So they hold in 100% the heat. They reflect it in, shiny side in or shiny side out, depending on which way you use it. Um, but, I mean, you can do practically the same thing by just getting a very large trash can and a trash bag and lining the inside of your, your sleeping bag with it and crawling in there. <laughs> you know, just... Either way, if you close your head up, you're going to suffocate. So <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do that. Zero out of ten, do not recommend. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just it, it's not that difficult. Now, if you're going to do, let's say you're going to uh, do some preparedness stuff at home. Stuff that you you should be doing just for general things. Like, yeah. hey, like this winter, they're predicting it to be a really harsh winter. Yep, and so, so I don't trust ERCOT. Um, here in Texas, so they keep on sending these, you know, real cryptic warnings, and we've gotten like 20 of them within the last month, and I'm like, okay, so what, are you telling us that the ball's going to drop and that we are going to be out of power? And if that's the case, okay, what's our plan B, right? We're thinking ahead. So I actually, you know, just really abruptly on a Sunday morning, send a link out to all my friends and my family, and I was like, hey, you guys need to buy kerosene heaters, and you need to get some kerosene and just have it on site, you know, have it on hand, just because you never know, it's going to be a cold winter, and everybody's like, Good morning to you too, Vanessa. Well, during, during <laughs> Snowvid, which was yeah, like it was terrible. It was like twenty degrees. And yeah, it was like 2021, right? Snowvid. Yeah. And uh, we had all those kerosene heaters left over from we did. from the farm, and we loaned them out to everybody. And I think we got two of them back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, and that's okay. You that know, really helped friends and it, family. It really did. We dropped off the the, the kerosene heater, and these are the big. Uh, the big stand-up top ones, right? There are no electronics in them. You just light them and they... And please, you know, read the instructions. Be careful. I mean, it's it's still kerosene and, and yeah. heater and an open flame and stuff in your home. And, I like it. You, you can know, cook on top of them. Yeah, and you can cook on top of them. But, you know, just put them somewhere where they're not close to walls. Make sure your kids know to stay away from them. Um, but they are very effective. Oh, um, put out oh man, they're amazing. So but we, uh, we dropped one of those off in a five-gallon can of uh, kerosene to pretty much everybody that yeah. needed it, all of our close friends. And, uh, man, uh, they were like, man, that really saved our butts because the power was out for three days. It was negative 20 with, like, 40-mile-an-hour winds and, and ice and snow everywhere. But they were like, we were warm, and we were able to make breakfast on top of the thing. And the five-gallon, they sit fuel. Like one gallon of gas, uh, one gallon of kerosene. I think we ended up getting eight to ten hours out of yeah. out of that uh, with it on high, putting out like ridiculous amount of BTUs, heating the whole house. So uh, it's really they really do sip fuel. You can mm -hmm. turn it down to medium at night, 
and uh, and start looking into it now before that and that's the reason that i sent that link out to my friends and family the other day because it's before the holidays you know it's before all the madness and holiday shopping and all and what have you right bills and things that add up at the end of the year um so i was like hey get ahead of the game buy one now so you just store it away and if the time comes you have it and you just have that peace of mind knowing like hey if our power goes out I can still keep my family warm because it was just really, you know, heartbreaking to hear some of the stories where they already had terrible insulation or they already had, you know, maybe broken windows and stuff already that they were kind of trying to keep warm from. And then when the power went out, you know, people here in Texas were just not prepared and people they died, died. Yeah. like A people froze and people died. died. And so it was just very heartbreaking to hear the moms, you know, crying for help, you know, on either the socials or wherever they could to get words out that they know they're cold and they can't keep their babies warm. And they, you know, the stoves are electric. Our stoves are electric here in Texas, by the way, the majority of the homes now. So a lot of people from up north couldn't understand why we couldn't just turn on the stove and keep warm that way. Well, because we have electric stoves. And so um, people that weren't ready and weren't expecting that type of of storm, um, it was just, it was a really bad scenario for them. So... We learn from it. Yeah, here our houses are built to re- get rid of heat, not retain heat. Like right, because it gets so hot in the summer. It gets hot here. If you took a house from New England and, and popped it down here, the way that it's built up there, the people would, would cook to death. Right. When it's like 110 or 108 down here, uh, people would, they would die. Right. They'd be like, they, they'd just be like living inside of a car with the windows up. But uh, you take one of our houses and put it up there. And we'll die we'll, because it, there's just not uh, – the house is designed to radiate heat here. And so it keeps – Versus heat. retain it, yeah. yeah. And we didn't have any kind of snow plows or anything like that. So to get supplies to other people, to your family members, you couldn't even do it. You couldn't drive. You were slipping and sliding everywhere. People that did attempt to drive were getting stuck on the highways. They didn't know how to um, drive. They didn't know how snow. to drive in the snow, getting stuck on the highways, start creating accidents. You know, it was just... Oh, it, yeah, it, no. it went from bad to really, really worse. Me you know? and my partner were the only two people that grew up up north and showed up to work. We are the only ambulance. <laughs> you should have just stayed home, but no, the, sh- the world needed you. The city needed we you. We were so busy. Oh, but it was taking like an hour to get across town because of just like little fender benders or people had uh, or shoveled their, their snow into the road. Right. And then created big old ice dams. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. They're like, well, we're not getting down that road. Everybody went out there and shoveled. Yeah. Like they took the, the six inches of snow that was on the ground and now made it like 24 inches. Yeah. But everybody else, we're not getting down that one. So. And nobody knew like to, to weather their pipes you know and so pipes were exploding left and right people were out of water still days after the fact for like a week i had friends coming over to shower at our place you know um because there was just i mean things were breaking everywhere no one knew to weatherize their pipes no one was expecting that type of storm so no one knew how to just uh, even let the water run right they were like chip 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 but when it's negative 20 with a 40 mile an hour wind or so, it's actually like negative 60, right? Yeah. So drip, 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 drip isn't going to cut it. That just puts ice in the sink. You've, you've got to let them run like a pencil thin lead, like pencil lead thin stream at that point to, to, to keep, uh, keep them from freezing up. Yeah. And we, we, ours never froze up. 
No. Um, just because we kept it running good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also opened up the bottoms of the the, the cabinets and had the uh, kerosene heaters going and, and kept them all from freezing. So that kind of stuff, uh, Have it, in case you do run out of uh, power, have a alternate way of cooking. You have a barbecue grill, a gas grill outside. You can grill some stuff. Yeah. Don't access your refrigerator a million times, your freezer a million times. Americans have this bad habit of every time they walk by the thing, open it up and stare into it. Like it's going to tell you something you don't know. Like, the history like something of the, new is going to magically yeah, appear in like there. It, it knows the secrets of the universe. They just stare at the light there for a minute and then close it and walk off. All right, you don't do that in a power outage. No, have a plan. Get exactly what you need out of there, and that's it. And then close it. Don't let the kids open and close it. Don't don't play with it. Don't forget and walk away and leave it open. Because you only have a certain amount of time with the thermal mass in there before you run out. Now, if it's really cold outside, yeah, you always have the opportunity to get snow, put it in a cooler, bring it inside, and now you have a cooler full of ice, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, don't drink your, don't eat snow. No. Don't eat yep. snow. The snow will just, uh, it make you really cold. Uh, it's not good for you. And also people you were actually using it. They were melting it down and using it for their toilets, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, melting it down, filtering it and then drinking it or melting it down, boiling it and then drinking it. That, that all those will work pretty good. I would suggest filtering it. Though, so that if it does have anything nasty in it, as far as chemicals go, which is sad that we have to think about that kind of stuff these days. Yep. But um, that you can get most of those or all of those out. Uh, Having a water filter at the house is not a bad idea. Now, everybody's kind of familiar with what a Berkey filter is, right? I like the Ghetto Berkey. And the Ghetto Berkey is two food-grade buckets. So you can get those at Home Depot, Lowe's. The Poor Man's Berkey. The Poor Man's Berkey, right? And so you buy the Berkey filters and uh, or the Berkey knockoff filters. But you want the two carbon ones and the two ceramic ones. And you drill your little holes in the bottom of your bucket number one. You install your Berkey filters and you put that on top of bucket number two. And then you fill it up and you have a spigot on bucket number two. And so you just got five gallons of water constantly going and constantly filtering. Out of all, everything's filtered out of it. Now, if you want to go a step further, you can always... Take it out of your, your, your poor man's Berkey and run it through your Brita or your Pure or whatever you want for your regular everyday drinking water. But it's going to be way better than anything you get out of a municipal faucet anywhere in America just straight through the poor man's Berkey. Yeah. And the poor man's Berkey is going to cost you about 50 to 100 bucks to build and last. It, it'll, it'll filter several uh, Olympic-sized swimming pools worth of uh, water before you have to do anything with it. And it'll allow you to do all sorts of fun, interesting, exciting things like filter rainwater. So, yeah, that's uh, that, that's what I'd suggest for that. Um, let's see. Lots and lots of flashlights, rechargeable flashlights. If you have a tool set like Ryobi, we have the battery charging station that has all the little batteries in it. And they always we love charged. Ryobi. Ryobi, sponsor, sponsor us. Sponsor us. <laughs> but no, we love Ryobi uh, because, you know, the, the batteries are compatible. Backwards and um, forwards. Yeah, backwards, yeah. forwards. We have the whole, like um, my husband just mentioned, we have the whole charging kit where we're charging, you know, several batteries at one time. Yeah, so 
we're always doing projects outside too. So it, it comes in handy when we're just like, hey, give me that drill. Hey, I ran out of battery. I ran out of juice. Give me another battery. And we just have them in rotation. And so that's really smart. And I like that little setup that we have. So everything we buy is Ryobi. It keeps all of all eight of those batteries charged constantly. So you can always pop one into a flashlight. And it lasts forever in the mm-hmm. flashlights. Forever and ever and ever in flashlights. Um, they have little handheld flashlights. They have little room flashlights. They have the big giant spotlights. Uh, all sorts of all sorts of good stuff for those. Um, those work out really well. What are we missing, hon? I so I mean, this might be a little off topic, or maybe it's it's a another show. I don't know. You tell me. But um, we were talking about, you know, off-grid and how we could set our power up and our water up to be completely, like, self-sustaining off-grid in case, like, events like this happen, right? Like, the whole, you know, uh, Snowvid deal or fiasco. We didn't have power. Like, if we did have an off-grid power system set up at our home, then we wouldn't have to worry about that. You know, we'd have uh, some power to last a, last a couple of days um, and we'd be in a good spot. Um, but you know, if you're considering that, I would highly recommend it. Um, look into it, do some research. Do you know those, uh, what is it called? A solar generator? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The where solar generator's cool. Yeah, they're just, those are pretty cool. Um, I would not buy one, right? No, I'm not, no, not disrespecting anybody like Outback Power or any of those other guys that sell those fancy solar generators. Those are way overpriced. Many, 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 many times overpriced. When you can just get a, you know, a cheap $40 solar panel, a, a $20 um, microinverter, and a couple of wires from Home Depot, and put together with a couple of like like a couple of car batteries that you can buy at Walmart, and do the same thing, right? And be out maybe 200 bucks in a tote, and have a uh, three or four times bigger than the, the, theirs. So uh, one of the batteries that I like, I like LifePo 4 batteries, the lithium iron phosphate batteries. You can buy the individual cells for about 60 bucks. So you can buy the 260 watt, uh, 260 amp hour cells put three for 60 bucks. Put three of those together. And now you have, let's see, uh, eight, uh, almost six, uh, six kilowatts of power. You have enough to run your your refrigerator for three days, uh, your air conditioner outside for 18 to 24 hours, your TV, your CPAP, stuff like that for a long, long time. <coughs> so those work really, really well. They do charge a little bit slower, so you're going to want to want like a 100-watt solar panel. Luckily, you can even buy those 100-watt solar panels at Harbor Freight now. Yeah. Like the ones that will stand. They're more accessible now. I remember before, you know, solar panels were like in the thousands and you're like, oh, yeah, right. You know, we're not going to buy that. Uh, But now as I was looking at them, I'm like, wow, times have changed. Like they've really come down in price. So I would definitely recommend, you know, any off-grid setup that you can uh, put together and have, you know, engineer yourself. My husband was looking at some engineering plans uh, for a total off-grid power setup the other day. Um, and it was cool. It made sense. And the reason I know about, um, you know, the automatic transfer switches and the UPS and, you know, the generators, the huge generators, is I used to work for a data center. And so our disaster recovery plans and our contingency plans, um, you know, to keep and keep operating and, and keep our customers' computers up and running and servers up and running um, was critical. And so uh, we had a whole, you know... Uh, a whole setup engineered, you know, for disaster recovery. And so 
it was it was pretty interesting. And so I just learned, like I said, you know, my history is just creating those redundancies in my life as far as my work goes. And it just kind of trickled into my home life. And then I met my husband and we're just like all about it. All about a plan B, you know? Speaking of those uh, those generators, those backup generators. Have you mm-hmm. seen those uh, weird – I showed you those whole house backup generators? Yeah. The kick on with the transfer switch automatically. Mm-hmm. Those are cheap. Yeah. I thought that those things would be like, you I know, thought so too. Like I, they 60, used to be like, $70,000. Yeah. No, man. Home Depot will come and set one up at your house. For like what? $5,000? $5,000. Right yeah. in your whole dang house. And not, and, not, we're not saying that that's just, you know, chump change by any means. You know, it's going to take some savings and stuff, but it's attainable now. You can finance it through Home Depot. Or there's that. It's yeah. like $168 a month. Wow. That's totally worth it. To have totally a backup worth generator. It. That's, it hooks up to a propane tank. Um, so the one that did, the one that we were looking at was a, the 22 kilowatt. So the 22 kilowatt uh, Generac generator, uh, hook it up to a pro, hook it up to a thousand gallon propane tank. So like the big oval one that sits outside. Mm-hmm. That one will run off of there for nine days. Oh, wow. It'll power. And that's at a, that's at full output. Right, like running with, for 22 kilowatts. So that, that's a ton of power. That's way more than the house would need. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but at idle, like just running like your air conditioner and your refrigerator, stuff like that, a couple of, you know, LED light bulbs in your house. Um, Is that Generac solar powered or battery no, powered? That, it, no, it's it's a generator generator. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a regular everyday generator. Okay, gas. Um, it runs off of the propane. Ah, so it comes with a service agreement, so you don't touch it. It has a Bluetooth, and it has an app, and you just monitor it from the app. They, When you buy it, you buy the service agreement with it, and it's like, I think, uh, $13 a month. They come out and do the oil changes on it. They do Oh, the wow. Filters. So they even do the maintenance you on it? You don't do anything. Holy crap. You don't touch it. You don't That's do anything. That's amazing. They come out five grand, pour you a little slab, pop it down there, hook it up to your, your propane tank. Done. And say, Done. Good day. <laughs> we're going to get one and we're going to tell you all about our experience getting one and having one installed because that's just super cool and it's, you know, feasible and attainable for us. So we're going to do think that. We, I think that's, that's, that's step one. doable first before yeah. we do, before we get crazy with all of our solar and everything else. Because I, if we do get, I mean, we're not up in the Arctic area like some of our right. friends. We have friends that are way up there in basically southern Canada. Connecticut Yeah. I call anywhere like north of like oh South Dakota. I call that <laughs> like Southern Canada. So we have like a bunch of friends anywhere that's touching Canada is Southern Canada. So uh, that are way up there in the frozen tundras where they have to fight penguins off to go get their mail. Um, I hope Deadpool and Trim are listening to this. <laughs> right? I really do. What up? <laughs> Shut up. But uh, so those guys. Uh, when they get when their power goes out, sometimes they can go out for a week. Well, here, you know, we're we're usually looking at seventy two hours, or yeah. we're looking at rolling blackouts, whether where it's off for twelve hours, on for twelve hours, or off for six hours, on for six hours. Um, when it gets super hot, or if it gets like super cold. Remember, down here, everything's electric. We got electric heat for everything, except for our new house. We have wood. We were smart. We bought a wood fireplace for it. Yes. Um, that was a that was actually on my must have list. Yeah, and you fought me on that, and I was like, no, no it's I a must have. I thought you on where need where you wanted to put it. I wanted to put it in the front room. I wanted to put it in the front room, and you made me put it in the back room. 
No, I wanted to put... Maybe there was a miscommunication there. Uh, totally, because I'm going to punch you in the throat right now because <laughs> you told me the back room. So I fought for it to be in the back room when I wanted it in the front room, but here we are. You're I just wanted gonna it have in to... the front room because it was central to the house and we could have heated the kitchen Well, you're just going to have to install... Now you're going to have to install another chimney for me in That's the front room. Me. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Get another one would be great. So, uh, but... You know, so we're looking at like, you know, 72 hours without power or rolling blackouts. That would probably work out better for us uh, in the short term, having a, a backup generator than it would as far as like overall preparedness, like instantaneous preparedness is having that generator come and plop down and uh, the propane tank came installed and um, call it a day, right? Mm -hmm. We basically freaking call it a day after that point. Um so uh, it's and be good with power. Yeah. So power for that. Oh, uh, a place to buy solar panels, guys. If you want to, if you want a really cool place, it's gonna be San Tan Solar. It sounds weird as heck, but it's S A N T A N uh, Solar dot com. And um, what what those guys do is they buy a lot of these big companies like Amazon, uh, Google. Uh, the municipalities that have like large solar farms, stuff like that, they have contracts to replace their solar panels every two to three years. They buy those used solar panels and resell them to you on an average of 50 to 60 bucks a piece. And these are like 320 watt solar panels. We were looking at a, uh, what is it? It was, it was 30, no, it was 28 320 watt solar panels on a pallet with a two year warranty. So for, uh, I think it was 1700 bucks, And it was like another $250 in freight. So we're looking at $2,000 for, what did that come to? I think it came out to like uh, 7 or 8 megawatts, something like or like 7 or 8 kilowatts of power, um, which is constant output, right? When people hear that, they think, oh, wow, that's, my house is using, you know, 5, five kilowatts of uh, power at any one given time, well, which is average for, for an American home. But you get the constant power coming out of those solar panels, and um, it's not peak power that you're looking at. It's 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 the average power coming off of those. So it works out really really well. Um, it's more than enough to to to, to your house. But if you were looking at those any other place, you're looking at almost ten thousand dollars worth of solar panels. So you get them for a lot cheaper this way. Um, I see what you're trying to Google over there. Don't you be looking at me. Why do you always look over my shoulder to see what I'm Googling? You're sitting literally touching me. Mind your business. Okay. So what you're looking for, honey, is you're looking for a through-the-window uh, stovepipe insulation. Through-window stovepipe insulation. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So what's that going to do is it allows you to put a wood-burning stove through your window. Okay. Like, like you know how we have uh, the, a window air conditioner unit? Yes. Works exactly the same. Okay. So you that oh by the way that's a good that's a good prep for some people. Kind of random family time over here, but um, is you can buy a little one of those little pot belly wood burning stoves. You sometimes you can find them for cheap at garage sales, estate sales, thrift online, stores, thrift sto antique stores, uh, and you can do a through the window uh, install on those. So it's not permanent, 
But have a wood-burning stove in your front room if uh, shake the fan or if it gets really hot, really cold. I mean, sorry, if it gets really cold. They work really fast and work really well. You definitely do not want to put those directly on your floor. You're going to want to get some uh, fire brick and some regular brick. Like, I'd say those, uh, what do you call those, those paving stones? Put some paving stones down, put some fire brick on top of that, put your 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 wood your, your wood burning stove on top of that, and then wrap them up. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and that that'll uh, that'll help you out quite a bit. Firewood is kind of pricey. Um, in certain parts of the world, it's kind of pricey. Other parts of the world, it's super cheap. Uh, here, it is. Uh, everybody wants to sell it as a premium, and they want to sell you like mesquite or oak uh, for barbecue, and you're trying to tell them, no, I want to actually burn it in a fireplace, and they look at you like you're, you're cross-eyed. Well, why'd you want to burn the good barbecue wood? <laughs> you're like, I don't need barbecue wood. I need generic wood. That's what I need. Yeah, um, always keep like, uh, I mean, I know we don't live up north, but if you're here in South Texas, um, I'd still recommend keeping like a pile of firewood somewhere. You just never know, right? Come that day, you're not going to want to be out there in the freezing cold, like chopping wood. You want to have a pile nestled away somewhere that you can access and you could use. Preferably and voila. not sitting on the ground. Preferably like not sitting on the ground, like yeah. Because it's got to stay dry. Yeah, up on a pallet or something and then covered with something to keep it dry as well. Uh, that That's going to help you out quite a bit. Um, and you want to put your firewood not against your house. It has a tendency to attract bugs, and you don't want those bugs to go directly in your house. Yeah. You want it standing off away. Yeah. And I know we talked about money earlier and having, you know, um, some money nestled away in a savings account or something like that, but also having cash in hand. Like, put some cash in a little Ziploc bag or a little wallet and put that in your safety can um, because you just never know when you're just going to need some cash. I mean, people don't normally carry it around anymore, and it's, you know, when you are in a situation, you are in a pinch – and people are only taking cash, like, you're going to be screwed if you have just your debit card that they're not accepting because power's down. So keep some cash on you at all times. That That's always a good Yeah, just idea. regular everyday cash. I see all these people all the time trying to, like, oh, I'm going to put in a roll of silver quarters. Name one time you have been able to go and pay for gasoline with silver quarters. <laughs> Name one time that you've been able to... that. that that in a in a forty eight or seventy two hour emergency, you've been able to stroll on down to the corner market, you know, and, and buy a bag of chips with a silver dime. They're gonna look at you like you're retarded. <laughs> Don't do that. Like they're gonna be like, what? <laughs> they're like, you mean a dime? No. You're gonna you're gonna be sitting there trying to convince them that that dime is worth more than a dime, right? And they, they're just not gonna believe you. Um. I d I'm not a big proponent of storing, like, uh, precious metals. I'm just, I'm just not. I have a couple of them. Uh, I have, like, a roll of silver quarters, and, but it's it's more of a novelty to me than it is for it, anything else. I like it because it's heavy and it looks cool. I'm always desk. the one that's like, let's buy gold. Let's buy gold. I'm like, it doesn't. And so here's my thing with buying gold. You are going to be much better off if you have hard goods to trade in a bad commodities yeah commodities food salt medicine uh or skills to trade because if you if i'm a baker 
All right. And I have I have uh, the like a big batch of buttery biscuits. And you come to me and you go, you know what? I I see your baker. You go through a lot of firewood. I've got a quart of wood. I'm going to give you and I need a couple of loaves of bread for the next week. And you're like, cool. I will hook your family up with biscuits and bread and stuff like that for the next week because I certainly don't like to chop firewood. If you come to me with a silver, like, like a Kurgan or, or silver, you know, or gold eagle or something like that, and go, ah, I need change, and you're, I'm going to go, for what? I don't accept that. I can't eat it. Nobody else is trading with it. Uh, it o- currency is only as good as everybody else agrees that it's good. At one time, fancy colored seashells were all the rage. At one time, tulip bulbs were all the rage. We just got done watching a documentary where black pepper was all the rage. Black pepper is what sent Columbus around the world. Was looking for black pepper. Yeah? Mm. Pretty cool, right? You just yeah. got done watching that with me. Yeah. So it's like it, it, currency is only as good as what everybody agrees it is. And if I do not agree that I am accepting gold, there's not anything you can do about it except go, wow, I guess I'll sit over here and eat my gold. Because <laughs> you know? it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. Until everybody starts agreeing and starts accepting currency again, it doesn't matter what currency it is, you're going to have a hard time getting anybody to eat, to take any sort of currency, let alone it be gold, let alone it be cash, let alone it be anything else. However, you'll always be able to trade somebody something. You have a you have a, a family member that's a, that, that's a female that's on her period. You tell me what she won't do for a pack of freaking tampons. Or, you know, or a pack of uh, the sanitary napkins if she's been out of them for a while. Right? I bet you that I get that quart of wood chopped and stacked. I bet you that I bet you that works out pretty well for me. And it sure is going to work out better for me having uh, just investing in a crap load of tampons that'll work for the gold and silver guy sitting over there LARPing with, you know, his fanny pack full of silver going... I sure wish somebody would trade me something. I was just thinking about like the prohibition days. Like, okay, what did they do to get by? What did they trade? What was the big commodities? You know, obviously alcohol. Well, that's prohibition days different, honey. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, no, I always, okay, no in my way. mind, I always think prohibition. I don't know why. <laughs> there was no like shortages of anything. There was just that they, there was artificial shortages Pro- of alcohol. Yeah. So yeah, alcohol was a big commodity. Uh, the area that you need to kind of think about would be uh, the Dust Bowl, which Dust was Bowl, there we go. just the era before Prohibition, where everything, the, the food was in a massive sh- shortage. And, uh, you know, there, nothing Why was that? Was it a drought? Well, uh, people had gotten these fancy new uh, devices called tractors, mm-hmm. and they plowed the shit out of everything. They literally just went ape shit and plowed all the prairie grass under and to make these big fields to plant wheat and everything else. Well, the wheat missed that year. And there was nothing to hold the dirt in the ground. Right? They went into a little bit of a drought. And it became a self-feeding system. All the topsoil blew away. And massive just just uh, dust clouds like would, would come through, roll through the Great Plains. 
They chopped down all the trees, all the scrub, all the buffalo grass, turned it all under, and were planting crops. And during that time, America, right before the Dust Bowl actually hit, America was the you know number one food producer in the entire freaking world. We just went nuts with the bread, with what's called the bread basket of the world, which uh, was basically us. And uh, we were tur- turning out just, even by today's standards, ridiculous amounts of grain. Um, and that's because it was really easy. We had these fancy new devices called tractors. And you could pretty much blame the Dust Bowl on the Ford 8N tractor. <laughs> it was because of the same tractor that's around today, you know. Uh, I've shown you the pictures of them. They're the gray ones with the with the red, you know, mm-hmm. red, red highlights on them. Um, as it did because they were cheap. They worked really well. They had a bazillion uh, accessories. And uh, with one tractor, you could do the same amount of work as two or three teams of horses and in a quarter of the time. So you went from a family, one family being able to, to, to barely handle 40 acres to where one family is plowing 300 acres. And every family next to them is plowing 300 acres. And everybody's just plowing living crap out of everything and then looking over at each other and going, my this is cool. Fields of wheat as far as the eye can see. <laughs> and then uh, they had a drought. And they plowed everything under, all the stubble under. There was nothing holding in the the moisture in the ground. There was nothing holding in, uh, holding the dirt down. And it all blew away. And we're still recovering from that. Part of the recovery process from the Great Depression was where they started contouring the land. And if you drive, when we're driving, even now, and we're driving along, you see just like random rows of trees, like in the middle of nowhere, like following roads. Those were all planted during the Dust Bowl mm. in order to slow the wind down as it goes across yeah, the fields. that makes sense. Right? And you see the fields now have contours in them where they're kind of wavy from back to the, so they perfectly mm-hmm. flat. That's to slow the water down so the water drains into the field instead of just runs right to straight off. So we learned a lot of what not to do. Yeah. Um, part of the, uh, it was a little impromptu history lesson. Maybe they'll appreciate it. Maybe, they'll <laughs> maybe like you, where it's like, what do you, what do you call, uh, I call I call my husband Buzz Killington because sometimes I just do not want to know like what, uh, you know, the acronym, what was it? It was uh, <laughs> SCUBA. He's like, do you know that that's an acronym? And I'm like, I mean, we're getting ready to go to the beach. Like, I'm already drinking. Like, we're already, like, I'm having fun. He's giving me... Uh, I was a designated uh, driver. Yeah, he's, of course. Because I was um, fishing. He's giving me a lesson on, you know, what the acronym for scuba means. And I was just like, oh, can I just have, like, those five seconds yeah. back? Like, I'm I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I have enough memory, like, you know, hard drive space to remember that and to care. But it was just funny. <laughs> No, I hate that I know that. I now. hate that I know that now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Um, we were at a at a work event, and somebody's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, uh, "You know, they started." It was actually my boss, and he started talking about the genetics of oranges, and he's like, he looks over at me, he's like, "But you know all about that, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and I hate that I do. <laughs> like, let's not talk about this right now. Don't put me Johnny on the spot. But yes, I do know these things uh, because my husband. You know, we talk all the time, and he's always teaching me stuff, and so I know all this. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. But during that time, they, like, uh, a dime. Like, I have a 19, 19, uh, 1919 dime, and that represented an entire family's full year's worth of savings. Wow. Is, this, is that 1919 dime. Wow. 
Yeah, one penny, uh, you know, a week might, might, might be all they bring in. So they ended up, what, some of the cool things that ended up happening is the government uh, started mandating that they use um, uh, flower sacks, like the flower the government, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the flower the government was giving away, you know, as part of the rations, were made with uh, fancy floral prints. And people were sewing their clothes oh, out cool. of the flower sacks. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at pictures from back then, you see the old flapper dresses and stuff like those. And mm-hmm. how they always had like little little flower prints. Those are all uh, sewn out of flower bags. Yeah. Interesting. Bags. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty, pretty neat. Um, but some of the things they did, they did a lot of trade. Yeah, like, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot, lot of trade. Of trade. Uh, and they did a lot of trade of uh, goods, of services. They did a lot of uh, trading of um, work from one one group to another. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, they did a lot of trading of livestock because it became very difficult to feed the livestock. So, uh, because they had these huge bunches of what what was bad is that the plowing actually disrupted. The uh, locusts life cycle, and while they were plowing, they were keeping the, artificially keeping the locusts down. When they ended up stopping the plowing during when it just became not profitable to farm, and it killed it, it killed everything died off, and the dust bowl happened. That the locusts came back and ate everything that wasn't like that wasn't basically that wasn't down. Yeah, yeah, but they, they came back in massive, massive droves. Wow, uh, and I mean they were chewing on the. the the, the window seals on houses to try to get inside. So absolutely crazy. Just just not not any sort of fun. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Zero out of ten. Uh, lots of really cool stuff that went on there. Uh, if you want to look in further into the history of that, uh, the Dust Bowl, uh, there is a bunch of really cool YouTube videos. There's a bunch of really good um, books and magazine articles. I don't can't name any of them right off the top of my head. This is just information that I've randomly got stored in my head from years of Googleating. And it's been quite a while since I Googleated uh, the Dust Bowl. Probably several years. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so if you look if you look back at, through history, things that have always retained value have always been things like uh, seeds, food, stored goods, canning, jars, um, fats, meats. Freeze-dried foods. That well, would retain value. They didn't have freeze-dried foods. Now they're going to. So they this is going to be go. a new Dust Bowl. You just love your freeze-dried I really do. I really do. Um, so uh, back to your regularly scheduled preparedness episode. As a, things that you can definitely do that if you need to be able to trade on, uh, trade for something on the road is have some extra stuff. If, you, if somebody's kids got allergies, having some allergy medicine Having a couple extra ba- things of tampons or pads, uh, they're gonna go again. Just really, really go a long ways. Really go a long ways. Analgesics like Tylenol, Motrin, ibuprofen, you know, ibuprofen, naproxen, all those kinds of stuff. They're really cheap right now. Nobody's gonna be making it. Yeah. If anything bad happens, what else you got, lady? Because I've got a bunch of news stories. Yeah, so do I. Well, I have one that I was like, so this worries me, guys. Like, I just feel like the more, I've talked about this on one of the episodes where, you know, they're buying up all the, 
all the farmland and they're, you know, making homes and shopping centers and what have you. But then they're also reducing like our ability to create food sources. Um, so I just read this story out of China that China says GMO soy and corn trials show outstanding results. So genetic, genetically modified food is being favored now. And I'm just, I'm concerned. I've, I've watched one too many movies. I saw the matrix. Like, I know what this where this is going. Well, I mean, it you depends know? on what what are they what are they putting into it, All right? Because if they're putting like cow DNA, I'm okay with that. But if they're putting in like like you know pesticides, so it makes pesticides and stuff like that, not a big deal with it. I I would eat I would eat ear of corn that had beef flavor built right into it. But uh, yeah, but like of course, ear, this article doesn't say what they put in it. But but an ear of corn like the BT corn, right? Not really a big fan. If it's designed to kill life eating it did you see the experiment where they took the the bt corn and the regular everyday corn and they put two different bowls of it next to like outside to see what the the squirrels favored and the squirrels wouldn't even touch the freaking yeah corn. see that's the problem like if squirrels aren't even touching it and, and squirrels are assholes yeah they will and i mean especially when they're in survival mode so you're telling me this even if they're not rolled, <laughs> a squirrel wouldn't even eat that like i mean that's telling you right there like i'm not touching that like just be cognizant of what you're putting in your bodies. Like, stay away from GMO products. Um, I'm just worried that one day that that, that they're going to supersede like natural organic products. Oh, we'll see that in our life. Yeah, we'll see that. I, it just worries me. So, I'll get your gardens going. Start getting that green thumb going. I, Exercise your green thumb. Yeah. My husband didn't. You know, his he can grow anything, but he wasn't always like that. You know, no. there was a period where he it was a you know trial by by you know he would try it, he would fail, he would try again, and it was just that's just the way it went. I found that benign neglect <laughs> works the best. Everybody uh, tries too hard to grow things, and they love I think it people, to. Death. Overwater. They do. They really overwater, yeah. and they don't understand. Overwatering, you know? overworking soil, overworking just the, like Elmira. Everything. I'm gonna love you and hug they you. They love their <laughs> shit to death. They really, really do. Yeah. If you go out in the forest, the forests are messy, and and you just kind of want to do that. Like, if you notice, there's no bare soil in the forest, right? There's always a layer of something on top of the soil. Yeah. Whether it's leaves or mulch or something else, so mulch the shit out of your stuff. Yep. And you'll pretty much grow whatever you want. There's no reason to get super pretty with it. Just throw it on there, poke a hole, put your plant in, and then benign neglect. That means when it looks sad, give it some water. Other than that, leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good to stress your plants, you know, especially when you're trying to grow peppers. That's what creates the heat in the pepper, yeah. the spice. Um, So stressing them on and off, like stressing them to the point where they're like, Give me water, you know, and then you water them and the That's also just, what makes melons sweet. Yeah. And it just makes it that much better. So benign yeah. neglect is the way to go. And I'm a fan of getting you know, growing crops that are easy to grow. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, super meticulous from out there like, you know, I've seen some people where their lawns look like they cut them with scissors and that's just not my speed. No. Um, I, I have a, you know, we have a lawnmower that we're riding lawnmower. Uh, well, historically, we've always had a riding lawnmower. So, I mean, I, I get by with that, but I mean, I measure that how many, how much grass you're cutting in beers. Yeah, exactly. That looks like a three beer cut right there. I, I, I'm more of a margarita girl, so, <laughs> yeah. you know. 
But anyway, um, so yeah, so that was just concerning when I read that news story. It just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, ugh, I've just, I've seen this movie before, you know? I'm like, if, the, if our food is now, you know, heavily genetically modified, like, what is that going to do to us? It's going to have, you know, the, the yeah, cancer, again, like... Uh, if, if it's designed... If, if they're putting animal DNA in it, it's not a big deal. Because I eat animal DNA all the time, right? I don't care. But do they disclose that on their products? No, nobody's putting animal DNA in it. That'd okay. be too cool. Yeah, that would be too cool. No, what they're doing, like, I like what they're doing, though, is they're, they're making, they're putting bacterial DNA into the corn or the products that they're putting, they're encoding it specifically to where the, that bacteria is releasing its... Uh, defense hormones and its defense mechanisms. So, like, we do that in giant brew vats. We have trained E. coli through genetic modification to uh, go ahead and poop out amoxicillin, right, or penicillin, or any other types of things. So, we have done that on a massive level. They're doing that now with corn and tomatoes and peppers and everything else, except instead of amoxicillin, they're making them produce insecticides. My, and fungicides and things like that. My problem with that is that if you read the label on all that crap, it says, don't eat it. Don't drink me. You will die. And uh, or it causes cancer and all this other stuff. And they're like, oh, no, it's fine because it's inside the corn. Well, <laughs> yeah. if you're not able to eat it when it's on the outside of the corn, why can you suddenly eat it if it's on the inside? It's because you can't see it. Yeah. It's got, you know. Meeple or whatever, but like, yeah, if, they, if, they, if they're gonna make strawberries and like you know, like yeah, of salmon DNA, you know, just make them redder, whatever, I don't care. But uh, like, if they're gonna make you know, to, like tobacco, you know, like what is it, uh, uh, the tobacco, they that one's been around a long time. They hybrided the hybrid, they added tobacco genes to tomatoes, and that sounds weird, right. But they ended up making to, uh, tomatoes that would produce a little bit of nicotine. And nicotine is a massively in, uh, oppressive insecticide. But uh, Which was okay, but now they have these highly addictive tomatoes. <laughs> I'm like, what? I really so, thought you were joking when you said tobacco. I'm like, this is BS. No, no, no. It's a real, it was a real thing. Wow. Uh, actually, that was that was quite a long time ago. Uh, that they ended up with uh, with you know tomatoes that have nicotine in them now, so you can get your you get your buzz off your ketchup. But uh, <laughs> wow, uh, it's like so the marble man, that kind of thing, eh, questionable. Um, but definitely not where they're making them make like you know Roundup and yeah. stuff like that, so they kill off everything around them. Uh, that kind of thing, guys. It's really not 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 super good for us. We just need to go kind of the opposite direction. That we're, we're heading with all of them. So, in other news, what do you got? I have that uh, Haiti is, attempt, uh, I guess, uh, attempting to collapse for the 43rd time, I guess. Haiti's always on the brink of collapse. So, everybody says, don't travel to Haiti because Haiti's collapsing. That's great. Uh, North Korea is firing ballistic missiles at everybody again. Um, Russia's. Killing off uh, the Wagner Group people in a suspicious plane crash. It's like, I mean, if it wasn't the poison in the water they got the guy, the Wagner guy, and it wasn't the bomb in the carry-on luggage, it was the missile <laughs> that suspiciously launched the gut that guy. Um, 
Yes, that's about all there for that. Like in world news, world news sucks as usual. So, all right, here's one that's not very good. Is Iowa State veterinarians are researching unusual swain, uh, strain of swine bacteria. So, a new series of... I'm going to try to say this. Actinobacillus pleuropneumoniae. Uh, it's a type of uh, pneumonia. It's not supposed to be really transmittable very easily from hog to hog and like from area to area. However, this one has mutated and now is highly transmittable and jumping from hog to hog and everything like that. Um, it's got a herd mortality between set between uh, about 50% up to 70%. It's, it's not good. It's, it's killing off hogs. However, it's pretty easily treatable with antibiotics if you catch it on time. But if they're already like super symptomatic, it's pretty much over for that hog. So not not really not really not really pretty cool for those guys. Uh, so that's something to watch coming up. It might uh, mess with our uh, supply of food, like the supply of bacon. And nobody messes with the supply of bacon, right? That that's just inhumane. Bacon is is life. Bacon is all. Bacon is always. My favorite part of breakfast. Uh, also coming out of Iowa is that they are having an outbreak of uh, bird flu, which is great. I feel like we get an outbreak of bird flu like every other year. Yeah, but it's in the commercial egg hatch, egg uh, like production area. And so they're having to put down all the egg layers, which is not super big deal. I mean, egg pain, it might influence egg prices a little bit. But um, overall, chickens mature so quickly. There's very little, uh, um, like, lag. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, what's going on to... Plant of the day. Well, speaking of which, we just talked about strawberries. Yeah. The plant of the day is going to be Sequoia strawberry. They're so, getting so expensive now. Just strawberries in general. Right. So, uh, what they have to say over at Stark Brothers about the Sequoia st Strawberry Stark Brothers. We love you, Stark Brothers. Sponsor us. <laughs> so, it's an early maturing variety, uh, growing on excellent dessert quality fruit without the weight. Medium height plants develop vigorous runners for increased berry production. Large glossy berries are plump and juicy with long, conic shapes. Uh, flavors outstandingly sweet and sub acid with high pleasing aromatic qualities. Developed by the University of California and produced in 1972, disease resistant to leaf spot, cold hardy, cold hardy ripens in June and may bear into fall. They're self-pollinating. What something to watch on this is when they're talking about it being um, vigorous runners. That means this little guy will spread throughout your entire growing area. Oh yeah. Unless you are growing it in troughs or in raised beds. Yeah. Or uh, something, but it's going to take over whatever you put it in. Yeah, just remember like those safeguards when we have when you have really invasive plants. Just they're bully. I call them the bullies. Like they just bully everyone. Oh yeah, this guy, this this guy will be a bully, but a delicious one. Yeah. Right. I would plant this guy in troughs, like trough type stuff. You know, trough, trough type uh, propagation. Um, but uh, yeah, they're really not that expensive. Um. They're looking like these guys get about. Uh, they need like a like a foot by a foot area. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Fruit size is large to extra large, so they're really really cool. Like it, love it. Let's get a bunch of them. So, uh, 
other than that, the uh, tree of the day is going to be your Franklin Cider Apple Tree. Uh, a lot of times people overlook uh, cider apples. And one of the cool things you can do about uh, with cider apples is like any apple that you you grow you don't like, ferment it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, uh, I see I had a bunch of uh, people. Um, actually, somebody hit us up on our Discord. They were talking about how their neighbor grew a bunch of, um, oh, it was on Reddit. Their, their neighbor had bought a bunch of these ornamental apple trees. And then they started pumping out a bunch of apples. But he's like, the apples are, are kind of mealy and sour. And I was like, perfect. Make cider. <laughs> right? The, the more sour or complex or acidic the fruit is, the, uh, the better it's going to be for cider. Uh, and one thing, if you are, if you have an apple, if you buy an apple at the store and plant the seeds from it, you're going to get something. You're going to get some type of apple. Apples are not simple in how they pass genetics on to each other. It's kind of a crapshoot. When they're looking for a new variety of apple, they plant tens of thousands of apple seeds. And, like, they grow them, and, like, within... Like they do super, super high intensity grow where they're just like a foot or so apart. They grow thousands and thousands of them in fields, thousands and thousands per acre in fields. And then they wait until they get mature and produce their first couple of fruits. Then they test those fruits. These ones suck, turn into barbecue wood. This one sucks, turn into barbecue wood, so forth and so on until they come across a winner. When they come across that winner, they, they clear out all the trees around it, let that one grow like crazy, then start selling bud wood and um, like uh, cuttings and stuff off of it to, to produce it everywhere else. So uh, let's talk about this uh, Franklin Cider Apple. It's a truly game-changing cider apple, they say. If you enjoy making homemade cider, this apple can be the star in a great blend. All of the necessary attributes are combined, contain, or sorry, contained in this one bitter, sharp variety. It has high sugar, high tannins, which create a dry finish, and high acidity, which gives cider a nice tang. This long-lived tree produces up to 30 bushels of apple per year and makes 2.74 gallons of juice per bushel. That's a lot of juice. You know, you got about 100 gallons of juice off of one tree per year. That's that a, is a lot of juice. That'll do, donkey. Yeah. That'll do. Uh, the fruit ripens successive, uh, successively and hangs well on the tree, which shows good resistance to apple scab and cedar apple rust. A boon for deer hunters, this apple is very attractive to wildlife. A uh, glint-capped cider and Perry Competition Browns winner in 2017. And the likely successor to Clingston Black. The Cider Apple Gold Standard. Cold, hardy to negative 32 degrees. Uh, so, man, that thing's a beast. Rapins in early to mid-October. Pollinator required. Choose another variety of whatever the heck. Um, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, that's a nice one. I would probably uh, have a couple of those. Um, one thing about, like, apples is I pretty much just completely ignore chill hour requirements on apple trees. Apple trees don't care. Like, um... Are you saying the apple trees are the honey badger? <laughs> apple trees, honey badger. Yeah, apple trees just don't, <laughs> apple trees don't care. Like, you, you see people like, oh, this thing needs, uh, 1,200, 1200 chill apples, chill hours to produce fruit. Nah. It's just not gonna produce fruit for, like, two years, so then it'll adapt and it'll be fine. Um... It, uh, I've seen some of the subarctic, like the super cold apples that produce just fine here in Texas. 
Uh, what caused an apple tree to stop producing and then start producing again? Because I know I remember some seasons. Okay. Yeah. They have on-year, off-years. All fruit trees do. They do uh, boom and bust years. They're called mast years. That makes sense because there was times where we had a plethora of apples and then there was times where I barely got a couple. So, yeah, they're called mast years. Um, and well, they, that's what that's what the nut people use uh, to call, like, years where they just, the nut trees just go absolutely crazy and put us just wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows. Yeah. Them. Flip the back of your truck. Just sit your truck underneath the dang thing and shake the tree and it fills yeah. your truck up. I like the idea of having nuts, but they're just so caustic. At least the pistachios are, which are my favorite. Um, they're just so caustic to harvest. And yeah, no, pistachios, yeah. pistachios produce uracil. Yeah. The, the same stuff that's in uh, the poison ivy and poison oak. Mm-hmm. It'll Not beat fun. you and kick your butt. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah, you don't want to even stand underneath one of those trees after it's rain because it drips oh, on yeah. you and burns your skin. Same thing with fig trees. The leaves are pretty caustic, so do not stand under fig trees don't. when it's raining. And do not rub your eyes after yeah. picking fig the, trees. The latex is kind of <laughs> aggressive. Yeah, so I uh, made the mistake of I was harvesting fig trees and I rubbed my eyes <laughs> and it burned. And I was literally across like the garden. And so I had to like bolt to the restroom, rinse my eyes out. I mean, it feel, I felt like I got maced. It was so bad. Yeah, I, I was so not, not I super friendly. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, uh, ap- apple trees and just like fruit trees and nut trees and stuff like that in general, because they produce some every year, um, and then some years they put out produce a bunch. It, it's a reproduction strategy that if hey, if they get all together and they produce, everybody produces a ridiculous amount. Something's gonna live. Does that make sense? Right. Something will eventually make it through, um, and that's how mast years work. And like, uh, uh, just they try to overwhelm the local population of. Whatever type of critters munching on them. So, yeah. But uh, if you have an excess of fruit, you do not have an excess of fruit. You have uh, not enough jam, jelly, or alcohol. Exactly. You or freeze-dried. Or freeze-dried. <laughs> yeah. I love freeze-dried apples. Those are so good. And those yeah. are my daughter's favorite. Oh, um, she yeah. loves them. They're kind of weird texture. They're kind of like styrofoam. It's okay. I like it. It's yeah. fun. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. They're really, really cool. I think that's, uh, I mean... I really just kind of wanted to, to get people thinking about some of their own preparedness. Yeah. And we specifically kind of shied away from, like, you know, the, the guns and knives and all that, 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 that kind of stuff uh, on this episode. Because we're more talking about, like, what happens in the storm? You need to be able to grab your stuff and go. Yeah. Right? What happens with there, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an earthquake? You need to grab your stuff and go. You don't need to go full roof Korean, yeah. right, and jump up there on your roof and try to protect it from everything. That's what you have insurance for, guys. And there's no, your life's not worth the big screen TV. Staying at home and trying to save your big screen TV. Take a picture of it. So that you yeah, can have I like insurance. that tactic. I'll just take a picture of everything. And yeah. everything can be replaced, but your, exactly. your life, your family's life. That's so. what you have insurance for. Yeah. And insurance is, is cheap. Yeah. Like, if you're not in, you know, like Florida or uh, flood insurance in Florida is very expensive. Uh, and that's because they get flooded like every freaking yeah. year. And they know it. So, I mean, prepare for it then. But if yeah. you live somewhere that it's that it doesn't normally flood, you're not in a flood zone. Right. Flood insurance is like 20 bucks a year. It's cheap. Like, like uh, breaking and entering insurance or theft insurance, stuff like that. If you don't live in like, you know, downtown Chicago, it's cheap. 
fire insurance. If you don't live, you know, in somewhere that burns down every two months, it's cheap. So getting some insurance on your house, your property, and your goods. Yeah. And then uh, over-insuring. Like, you know, if you can buy just a bank blanket prop uh, policy for half a million dollars, go for it. You know, get it. Make sure that you can replace everything in your house. Right? Yeah, agreed. And, you know, specifically we wanted to have this episode because of, you know, the hurricane or Hurricane Adalia over in Florida and the Carolinas, you know, and Georgia. Um, you know, our thoughts are with you guys. Hope you stay safe. Hope this podcast helps you, um, you know, just think outside the box and, you know, prepare for other other hurricanes if you decide just, to stay or or just even stay. now like don't, don't stay. stay it's not worth it yeah I no mean, i mean i meant like if you decide to continue living in an area that's prone to having okay, hurricanes yeah. then just prepare for them having, you know just having a bug out like tell your like if, if your boss or whatever is going to be a dick about it and be like if you leave then you're, you're gonna get fired put that in writing put it in writing boss go ahead and put it in writing that if I leave to save my family and my life a day or two before a hurricane, then I'm going to get fired. Yeah. That's great. I will see I wouldn't want court. to work there anyway. Yeah, but I'll see you in court, and I think I'm going to buy a new boat. <laughs> and <laughs> I will use it for my next hurricane. <laughs> I will use it to leave to yeah, bug out so for the next hurricane. Exactly. It'll be our bug out boat. Exactly. We'll just leave a, we'll just leave a week early yeah. and, and go somewhere where there's not the hurricane. Yeah. So we're really picking up on listeners. Super exciting. Um, specifically from Israel. I got much love for Israel. I got a lot of peeps out there, um, my homies. Um, so, yeah, love you guys. Thanks for supporting us on our show. We have listeners, new listeners from India. Um, so that's Singapore. cool. Quite Singapore. Yeah. Singapore is getting up there. Uh, United States, obviously, you know, it's grown quite a bit since we first started. Australia is growing some more. Um, so India. Yeah. Shout out India. Shout out India. Like, <laughs> super rad. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for our next show, feel free to email us. Let us know. Oh, We're yeah. always happy yeah, to hear those. Us. we got to do our normal plugs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and throw a couple dollars to the show, uh, it'll go straight to keeping the show on the air and uh, just paying for the bandwidth and everything else that we, have, we use. You can do that by going for the Venmo. It's going to be at uh, This Feral Life uh and you can do the cash app will be dollar sign uh, this feral life. Our email is going to be this feral life podcast at gmail.com. You can go ahead and send us some love letters, hate letters, hate mail. Uh, if you want to be on the show, it's perfectly fine. We'd love to have some callers in on the yeah. show to talk about the, the what preparedness means to them. I am so interested to get the owner of Waffle House on this show. Like, I am so in awe about his them. preparedness. Oh, so let's make this Yeah, happen. let's make this happen. Let's do this. Let's talk to people. I want to hear about the history of why he started the Waffle House, I think. Yeah. There's got to be a story there. Right? There's got to be like a, this one day he's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own this. <laughs> I'm going to own this storm. And they just started just... Taking over. I just have a whole new perspective and respect for Waffle House. So you guys are super Waffle cool. House. Yeah, Waffle House. All right. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, oh, check out our, our Etsy if you want to get any sort of really cool, sweet merch. We have a lot of cool uh, looking stuff over there. It's going to be this feral life uh, at dot Etsy.com. Sorry about that. 
And uh, that's about that it. You usually try mm-hmm. to say something semi-positive every time. Don't we? Yeah. You say something positive? I mean, we haven't done that in a minute, but yeah, I'm, well, I'm all for it. Go for it. You go first. No, I always try to throw you under the bus. Always. Oh. Okay. Well, in a time of a natural disaster, I mean, nothing speaks more than community. You know, that speaks volumes. Take care of each other. Watch out for each other. Have each other's back. Uh, don't be a douche and looting and doing all that, you know, ridiculous stuff. Um, you know, we're here to, to be good to each other. So keep that in mind and, and look out for each other. If you, uh, if you have a friend that's uh, being involved in a natural disaster, offer open your house up to them. You know, like, give them a safe place to go. You know, the, a dry they, place to go. A safe, dry place to go for a couple of days. I'm not saying let them move in there permanently forever and always, but if they need to get away from, you know, the hurricane for three or four days, go ahead and let them crash on your sofa. Make it a party. It'll be fun. I would, personally, if I had friends who were coming over, I'd take some vacation, some paid vacation time, and we'd have one hell of a rager. It would be a great time. (laughs) We'd have a party. Uh, I'd be like, let me show you around Texas. We'd go have a bunch of fun. We really don't have a rager. We really don't drink that much, but we do adventure. So anything to do something cool and to explore a city, like we're always down. So, yeah. With that being said, I bid you adieu. I am exhausted. I I love you guys. I am tired. We love our listeners. Thank you guys so much for listening to us and tuning in every week. And this feral life. (laughs) That's a good one. 